sultry like hello oh. lovers hello lovers is that better wow it sounded like a <laughs> like phone sex line it's <laughs> my alternate career option yeah okay well hi hi uh i'm caitlin i'm Kristen. <laughs> how are you today i'm good i'm excited about this episode yeah it's very timely for summer for summer yeah indeed yeah it's the right season mm-hmm. how are you doing i am good i made you some cake yeah which you haven't eaten the Here's one what that- happened. <laughs> Last time we reported, recorded in person, Kristen goes, why haven't you baked me anything? <laughs> she looks into my fridge, she rifles <laughs> through my cabinet, and she's like, where are my baked goods? And so I baked you a loaf today, and then she gets here and she goes, I'm not hungry. <laughs> First of all, I will be taking the loaf home if yeah. I'm still allowed to. Second of all, for anyone out here that, are, that doesn't know Caitlin, Caitlin is just like an avid baker you're just you should be a chef honestly it would like, ruin it, it for me though it probably would you're right but caitlin is the type of person where i show up to her house and she'll have like a nice looking cake just like sitting on a pretty cake platter not like when when i feel like i just want to bake like i make cupcakes or brownies or cookies no caitlin has made like a lavender honey like vanilla cake with like special frosting and it's got like <laughs> coconut like carefully decorated i have top. never made that but that sounds amazing yeah and it's, now I want it's to. always complicated it, like reminds me of something that i'm gonna see in a pastry shop oh, i did make profiteroles a few weeks ago and they were pretty good yeah see so fancy mm-hmm. so i just i expected to have food and well wow. but today i actually ate before i came yeah i delivered though let's just yeah remember that. so we just needed to talk we need to check in beforehand <sighs> yeah okay but anyway, welcome to Love and a romance <laughs> podcast. We like talking about food, but we like talking about romance novels even more. Yes, I'm Caitlin, and that's Kristen, and I don't think we've said that yet. Yeah. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to our Beach Reads episode. Yay! Yeah, this is an exciting week because I just think so many great romances take place at the beach. But it was very interesting from what we've been doing with other thematic episodes because I feel like beach isn't really a trope. Mm-hmm. like it definitely is a theme but it's more of, it's a location yeah, right it's a setting and so you can have like you could have a dark romance at the beach although i don't think we read any you could have enemies to lovers you could have second chance like you could just do so many different kinds of things i mean what the other episodes we've done on thematic like time travel rock stars hockey players you could have all those at the beach too in some way or another so we read a lot of books for this week and there are just a lot of different tropes that this setting can touch. Yeah. So obviously the thread running through all of them is the location of being somewhere beachy. Some of these are more tropical. Some of them are like what we would consider local and if you're in the US. But yeah, I think the general the general theme is like, you know, shit happens at the beach. It's like a different it's just a fun setting for a yeah. lot of a lot of different plots. So Caitlin, why do we love beach romance? Okay, so when we first decided to do this episode, I was thinking that books set at the beach are sort of the quintessential summer beach read because you're at the beach, you're chilling out, and you want to read something that's set in that more fun, flirty, summer vibe setting, right? 
and they can also be relaxing and you know you're on vacation and that whole mindset transcends to it but then when we started reading for this episode i (laughs) most of my books made me cry a lot (laughs) so i don't know that i'd actually read some of these on the beach and it made me think about what my actual like beach read choice would be and i think that is actually like a murder mystery or something that's probably what i would read at the beach yeah so that is not a great answer to your question, <laughs> but I do think we have a lot of really fun summary reads in this episode. They're just, they vary in terms of whether they're fun and flirty or whether they're more serious and, you know, emotional. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because I actually, I mean, I guess I would read any of these books that we read for this week, like on vacation at the beach, but it wouldn't, I don't think any of them would be like, this is my, the read I will take to the beach. Right. I think probably a murder mystery is more in line or like another type of romance. These are the books I read when my mind wants to be on a beach right and I want to like immerse myself in the fictional universe a little bit more and like mentally like get away and I think a lot of these books the authors did a really nice job of doing descriptions of where they were and what they were doing and you know I assume like they probably traveled to those places and it just it really put me in their shoes and so like I too was in Bora Bora and Hawaii for a second and it it felt nice. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point. But it's a much better way of putting it than whatever I said. <laughs> it's about time that you say something wrong and I say something right because it's usually the reverse. There's still a lot of pronunciations for you to get wrong in this that's episode. That's true. It's Don't still worry. early. But okay, the things I wrote down for why we live romance that takes place at the beach. One, I think you hit on the top point, which is a lot of them tend to be fun and flirty, relaxing. I mean, certainly you read some more serious ones with heavier themes, but I think like a beachy rom-com is what a lot of people think about when you think about a romance at the beach. And I love heavy and sort of angsty and deep romance reads, but sometimes I do need something rom-com-y and and light and flirty. And adding that type of book at the beach just makes it like funner and lighter and like allows me to have whatever mental relief I'm looking for by choosing that book, right? The other thing I wrote down is, you know, the beach is kind of this outside of real life concept. I mean, certainly if you grew up at the beach, like if you grew up in on, I don't know, the Outer Banks or something like that Mm -hmm. in South Carolina, you're always at the beach. But for me, for us, you know, we didn't grow up right on the water. Going to the beach was like a vacation and it's sort of this like this other place and things that happen there are in their own little bubble. Mm, What happens at the beach stays at the beach. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Speaking of which, have you ever had a beach romance? No, I had a beach week (laughs) in high school. Can you explain what that is to people who may not know? Sure. You didn't do beach week, I don't think, right? I did. You did? Well, I was a big nerd in high school and I wasn't friends with the popular kids. Just in high school? But yeah that's fair that's fair um says the accountant slash attorney yeah listen (laughs) mistakes were made but i did become friends with one of the popular girls in my physics class my ap physics class and she invited me to go and i knew nobody else in the house and i had never drank before and i took like my first shot that weekend and then i was also just sober i didn't drink beer i was not interested in any of it so i technically went to beach week but i don't think i did beach week you know okay what I mean? we should say for the audience caitlin went to a catholic all-girls high school i went to public high school yes just we chose different paths we were given the option the option to do either of those and we just picked the ones that suited us at the time so i guess i didn't think that an all-girls school would have beach week but that we still had fun yeah yeah that's just me 
like stereotyping it like of course you could but yeah so I went did like a very what I would think of as a very traditional all-american high school beach week where we went to Ocean City Maryland because I went to high school in Maryland and we we rented a hotel room and then a hotel room oh yeah we rented a house on the beach oh no and it was a nice hotel room it was like a suite and we were there for the whole week and then you know all of our friends had hotel rooms in, in hotels nearby and if I remember from what I remember from Ocean City is like it's a there's just like a boardwalk and a strip of hotels and I don't remember much else of the week. <laughs> I'll say <laughs> that's for the one, for the that. one shot you took, I took many more. But I I had some small beach romances, as in, <laughs> you know, one offs. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, those are great. Those are great in their, um, in their own way. Yeah, so they weren't you know long beach romances, but there is something kind of magical about the beach and yeah. right like it's whatever happens there is outside of real life and it plays by its own rules and mm-hmm. I think a lot of the books we read kind of embody that mm-hmm. I remember always wanting a, a beach romance whenever we went on vacation as a kid yeah I was always jealous of people who grew up at the beach because it felt like you had this opportunity for this like forbidden fantasy realm like right at your fingertips like if you grew mm-hmm. up in San Diego or like I said the Outer Banks or maybe somewhere in Florida I always felt like that must be really cool to grow up with that water access just because I don't know people at the beach are like a little bit more relaxed and chill and I think it's also depicted a lot in movies and Hollywood too. yeah so you think it's this I mean the, we grew up watching the OC that's yes yeah, yeah that the dream that was the dream right <laughs> so anyway but yeah that's what I think of when I think of beach romance yeah Speaking of which, what's on your nails today? Hmm. I am wearing sun, sea, and sand in my pants, which is a (laughs) great name. It's a great name. It's a really strong sunshine yellow, and I it just is really fitting for the weather today too. I'm really obsessed with it. What are you wearing? Uh, well, I know you're obsessed with it because when you got here, you said, I'm wearing the yellow, <laughs> not you. Yes. <laughs> so I but remember, wearing I brought both colors. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. are both mine. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. should get to pick yeah, which one yeah. I wear. I am wearing Endless Sunner, which is sort of a, it's almost like an, a rust color, actually, which I love. It reminds me of the bottles of suntan lotion that are like that brownish yeah, color. Copper tone. Copper tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's, they're not the, necessarily the color of those bottles because I think they're like a chocolatey brown, but. Your color's a little coppery. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we can get into the books. We have a lot of books to cover. A lot of books. We're just, we're not going to go super in-depth with any of these because we'd be here all day. Yeah. But we have we have a lot of great reads for you. Yeah. For you guys. When we took a picture of all the books, you know, that we'll put on our social media, we, we like, <laughs> tried trouble fitting them in the frame because <laughs> we had so many. And to... it wasn't even all the books. It wasn't even all the books. Yeah. I forgot one at home. Okay, so the first book I want to talk about is actually the first romance book I ever picked up, which is On Honeymooners by Christina Lauren. And you have read it too. I don't think it was your first romance. No, Beach Read was my first romance. Beach Read we'll talk about next. Which we'll talk about, yeah. So I picked up On Honeymooners a year and a half, two years ago, whenever it was kind of out. It's one of those books that kind of crossed the lines into the regular fiction bestseller list. So outside of just romance readers. And honestly, I think what drew me to it was the cover. I mean, Mm -hmm. the thing about beach romance is the covers tend to be really summery and fun. And so On Honeymooners has this bright yellow cover. Like my eyes just gravitated to it. And I had never read a romance before. So I kind of picked it up skeptically also because I had a lot of stereotypes about 
romance in my head and I was like am I picking up smut this isn't real fiction like Mm. I will totally own up to those uh, feelings and beliefs I had about the genre before I got into it but ended up loving it and then it kind of quite quickly very quickly set me on a path to start reading a bunch of other romance I think Beach Read was like my third or something like that Mm. so anyway uh on Honeymooners takes place in Hawaii It is enemies to lovers between Ethan and Olive. Olive is a twin and her twin is someone who is like a perfectionist and also someone who is really, really good at winning sweepstakes. Which, by the way, is not (laughs) a thing, I don't think. It could be a thing. I thought that was like not if they're truly based on random chance. True. I guess. I don't know. She's very lucky. She's very lucky, I guess. And that's I think that's part of the description, too, is like, yeah. this woman's just lucky and Olive is not. But she's really good at winning sweepstakes. She's getting married. And she basically has won, like, everything for her wedding. I think it said, you know, she spent, like, $1,000 on her wedding. And the rest of it was all won and was free through whatever sweepstakes she entered. The guy she's marrying also has a brother. Not a twin, but a brother. And that's Ethan. So we have Olive and Ethan. They're both in the wedding party they actually really dislike each other because they have a, you know, a history of brief interactions where basically they read each other wrong. Mm-hmm. Like Ethan said something that Olive felt was offensive and then Olive somehow offended him back. Like it's kind of unclear from her perspective, but she's basically like, oh, he really dislikes me for whatever reason and therefore I dislike him. And that's kind of how the relationship started. And it kept going like that. So they go to this wedding for reasons that I won't discuss, neither of them happen to eat the main entree that's served. They eat like a separate dish. Every single person at the wedding gets violently ill. Which, by the way, <laughs> not what you want to read. On no. The so everyone gets ill except Ethan and Olive. And what ends up happening is that Olive and Ethan both take the honeymoon that her sister and Ethan's brother were meant to go on. And that sounds kind of crazy unless you explain like all the things between it yeah basically the honeymoon was free and her sister doesn't want to waste it and they both want to go but they don't want to be there together but ethan's like well i'm going and olive's like well i'm not gonna let you go enjoy it i'm fuck you i'm gonna go yeah so they end up going on this honeymoon to hawaii trying to basically enjoy their time there apart from one another and end up running into people at home and so what and from home. from home yeah and they end up having to have a little bit of a fake relationship thing going on because the hotel thinks they're married <laughs> they oh that's right like they had to use the, they couldn't yeah. give it to somebody else yeah so it was like a rule of the sweepstakes so there's some there's some fake dating involved or fake marriage actually in this part there's forced proximity because they're obviously stuck in a hotel room together but it was really fun they go do all sorts of things activities at the group together they end up having to pretend to be together and of course over the evolution of the story they go from the enemies to lovers yeah. so it was really fun i i gotta say i didn't love the like conflict that happens at 80 percent. it it didn't ruin the book for me at all i just like didn't quite buy into it as much as I would have but I obviously love the book enough that 
it was my first romance book and it definitely wasn't my last. Like it inspired me to keep mm. looking into the genre. Yeah, I think it's a good gateway romance. Yeah. This one and Beach Read, which we'll talk about next, are both good gateways. Yeah, books. and if you don't know about Christina Lauren, they're actually two friends. I think they might actually be sister-in-laws, but I could be wrong mm. about that. Christina and Lauren separately. And so they write together and they they do a lot of these rom-coms. Yeah, they have so they're very prolific. They're enough. very prolific. Yeah. Their earlier work is is much smuttier. <laughs> These books uh, on Honeymooners is definitely got some steam in it, but I don't think you've ever read the Beautiful series by mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Like the first one is Beautiful Bastard, and then there's Beautiful, Beautiful Players one. Anyway, they're really steamy and a good time, but I think they started doing more of like the unhoneymooners type rom-coms because it'll bring in a broader audience. Like yeah. not everyone wants that heavy steam except us <laughs> so but if you're into that i definitely recommend the beautiful series as well yeah. and all, all their books are pretty good you loved what's the one you love josh and hazel's guide to not dating yeah i liked that one yeah i thought it was cute yeah so yeah it's a good gateway yeah yeah so the next one is beach read by emily henry and this is this has got to be one of the most popular contemporary romance novels out there I feel like it must be, but I also just love it so much. I don't know if it's my own head. It was on the bestseller list a really long time. Yeah. All of her books since she's published since then, she did People We Meet on Vacation that like automatically skyrocketed to the bestsellers list, probably like largely piggybacking on the Beach Read success. Mm -hmm. And she has, by the time this episode will have come out, Book Lovers, her her next book will have come out Mm -hmm. the beginning of May. And yeah, I love this book i know not everyone does because it really does cross the line into women's fiction or mm-hmm. quote-unquote women's fiction or chiclet a little bit more but i don't know why don't you what yeah. did you think about it well so this was the first one i read Kristen gave it to me and i was like sure i'll read this book and then i loved it and it, it opened up the romance genre to me but so it the main characters are january and gus and they were sort of rivals in college or she always thought they were rivals in college it's told it's, I think it's only told from her point of view. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah single, single point, point of view. view. So they both become writers. January writes romance, and Gus writes more like, classic fiction. They end up being neighbors in this town, the North Bear Shores in Michigan, right on the beach. Or it's on the lake. I think it's mm-hmm. on the lake, but it's there's a little beach area by the lake. So they have a bet going where they decide to switch genres. So she's going to write fiction, and he's going to write a romance and so they have to go on all these little adventures to you know explore different plot devices for the romance that he's writing and for her to do research for her fiction book so she's dealing with a lot of trauma from her past and dealing with her parents and figuring out you know her family isn't really what what she thought it was before because her father's just passed away and there's a lot that she's going through but basically they you know end up spending time together and it's bit it's a bit of an enemies to lovers rivals to lovers situation yeah yeah Yeah, i love this book so much i think the writing is really great i love emily henry's style of writing and also the book itself and the characters and the dialogue is just fucking hilarious like i wrote down so many quotes i mean part of the the conflict between january and gus is that she thinks he doesn't respect mm. romance writing mm-hmm. and she makes fun of him for the fact that all of his books have like a sad ending and so when they switch genres part of it is, is that you know grumpy brooding gus has to write something with a happy ending and january who has always been bright and sunshiny up until 
the events of the book because of some secrets revealed in her family, she now has to write like a sad ending. But she she talks about Gus's writing as Hemingway's circle jerk fan fiction. <laughs> I just thought was really clever. But it's a great book. And I think the other thing I love about it is, you know, so much of romance novels is a lot of them have gimmicks is the wrong word. I don't know what to use, but they all try to create situations that obviously like force proximity. Mm-hmm. And so it requires authors to think about like, how can we keep these characters together? And on Honeymooners, it was like, let's literally put them on a honeymoon. And obviously you do activities on a honeymoon. You go boating, you go to the beach, and those are opportunities to put the characters together. And Beach Read, okay, they're doing a bet. And every Friday and Saturday, they take a, like a field trip to do something in the romance genre or something in the literary fiction genre to, to like teach each other about their genres. And so it forces proximity. So I, gimmick is the wrong word. I don't know. They're plot devices, really. Mm-hmm. But what I like about that is it has all that fun stuff in Beach Read, but it also has so much character depth. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this kind of crosses into women's fiction or chiclet as well. And so you get a lot about January's family and kind of dealing with herself as well as her relationship with Gus. And I don't know. I just think it's so beautiful and it will forever be my favorite. Yeah, that's yeah. lovely. Okay, Meet Me in Paradise. The the book that made me cry for the last <laughs> three hours straight that I was reading it, probably. <clears throat> this is by Libby Hubshire. when the episode starts to get depressing. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're going to bring it up and then we're going to bring it back down with my next read. Okay. There's just a lot of death in the books I read. Family death. I don't know. I don't know. There's a trigger warning for that, I guess. But they still have happy endings. They're still romance, right? Yeah, not for the people that are dead. No. <laughs> I'm assuming the people who died are not the main characters, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Correct. These are yeah. These still are romance. So you will cry a shit ton, but you'll smile through the tears at the end. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Okay. So this is by Libby Hubshire, and the main characters are Marin and Lucas. And Marin's mom died when she was little. I think when she was. 17 or 18 maybe 18 so she ends up taking care of her younger sister sadie and sadie has always been like her mom she's been really adventurous she travels i think she she either writes or she takes photographs for some you know newspaper journalistic publication so she's always abroad traveling and Marin works in advertising and she just waits for her sister to come home because they live together and that's her whole life she's never left where they live in um, the southern U.S. So Sadie comes home from one of her trips to China and she looks really sickly and she's skinnier and she's really exhausted and Marin is like, you need to stop traveling. Like, you need to relax and rest. And Sadie convinces Marin to go on a girl's trip for the weekend to a little town. I swear to God, I wrote this down. I did. Saba. Okay. It's called Saba. One of the things that I put in our notes for this episode is we have to say where it takes place. I did not see that <laughs> note, obviously. Okay, she goes to Saba. So where wait, where is that? I don't know. But it's a beach. It's a beach. Is it place. an island? It's an island. Yeah, okay. It's an island. So she gets on the plane. Sadie doesn't show up. She's like, I'm not gonna make it. I'm whatever typical Sadie behavior. So Marin, for some reason that I can't fathom, actually gets on the flight. And this man, this beautiful man named Lucas, sits down next to her and she's like, excuse me, you're my sister's seat. She still might make the flight. You shouldn't be here. And he, meanwhile, he fucking owns the airline. And he's like, 
no, <laughs> this is my seat. I'm going to Sava as well. Are they in first class? I yeah, them she's in first right. class. Okay. Yeah, I think Sadie said she, you know, gave in all her airline miles or something for their, their trip. So they go on this trip and there's a huge storm. She's really afraid of flying and the flight is like, has major turbulence. She ends up like sitting in his lap somehow at some point, I think. It's just a, a lot happens. Like so much turbulence <laughs> that she's like bounced out of her seat into I don't know. I, I can't remember. I think she tries to get up to do something and then her seatbelt's not buckled and then she f- flips out. Anyway, so her bag falls down and they can't land where they're supposed to land. They have to land somewhere else. And Lucas is like, you know, you're really scared. That was really a shitty trip for you and your sister's not here. Let me take you on my boat to Saba and we can beat the storm and it'll be fine. And for some reason she goes with this strange man onto his boat where there's nobody else and she grabs her bag and as she's packing up her bag, I know this, I'm giving way too much information for this book, but I just have to say as she's packing up her bag, she sees like all these like red thongs and like all these lingerie that's not hers and she's like, oh fucking Sadie packed all this shit into my bag. Like I can't believe this woman just like put so all this So her sister was just like I'm just going to pack a bunch of yeah, lingerie for just, my sister. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she, but she throws a lot of it into her bag, and then she goes in this boat with Lucas. They get to the resort. Turns out he owns the resort in Saba that they're supposed to stay at, and he's like, you know, for your trouble, you can stay in this, like, the best suite in the house, which is actually, I think it's a cabin by the water, by the beach. Anyway, so none of this is um, <clears throat> suspicious at all to her. <laughs> she just goes with it and then she wants to go back when sadie realizes she can't come but of course her passport was lost at some point she doesn't have her passport anymore doesn't know where it went and sadie she can't get a new one for some reason i forget why sadie's like oh yeah yeah, yeah. i'll have my guy send you a new passport <laughs> as soon as you go on all these adventures with lucas and enjoy yourself and like live your life for once because you're spending your whole childhood is that so she, taking care well of i don't want to reveal plot i guess i have questions well it's about your question is valid and it's not it's very clear pretty early on that something is going on i don't yeah. think that's revealing too much okay so okay. there's something going on with sadie and she has sort of set up at least part of this i think i don't think that's revealing okay. anything that you well i don't want to reveal too much else but you liked it it was good it was it sad. was very good but the last Probably the last like 30% of the book, I was just sitting on the couch sobbing as I was reading it. <laughs> Josh was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm it's studying like, for our podcast. Like, are you reading a are you reading a romance or what is happening? Well, I just have to flag before we move on, I have to flag one thing because we always write these little bullet point notes in our shared Google Doc as we go through the episode. And Caitlin wrote for this one, one gripe, throwing things. <laughs> I was getting there. And I need to I know. There. Okay, my only issue with this book, I really liked it, recommend it, it's a great book. My only issue is that there's two instances where she does something and I'm like, how... Why, why is this written in there casually? So first of all, the first instance is that she's walking on the this dirt road with Lucas and they're on the island and she's wearing shoes. Okay, so her bag was switched out for someone else's bag. It's actually this woman who just got married and all of her clothes say like Mrs. So-and-so or like happily married and they have hearts and shit on them. They all, all the clothes fit her perfectly somehow, but they're all like hideous pink you know like strappy stringy bikinis like something she would never wear she's wearing this other person's sandals she just wears the clothes i don't she doesn't even try to like exchange the bag i don't know know why that happens but she's wearing the clothes she's wearing the sandals and she's just like oh these sandals hurt my feet she takes them off and she just 
throws them into the jungle as they're walking down the road, which is littering. 100%. Well, is there also, like, she could try and get this bag back to the woman at some point? Well, I mean, she's she is on a different island, not the island they landed on, but, you know, you could be like, hey, airline. Well, also, she's with the bag. owner of the airline. Right. <laughs> like, someone works for the airline right there. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. You raise an excellent point. And then the other thing happens, later on, she's sitting on a balcony writing postcards, and she keeps writing it and then not liking it and then just flicking them <laughs> off the balcony into onto I don't know the street or the water I don't know this woman is like a big litterer like this is a big character flaw that I don't think was properly addressed okay if you read this book just go go in knowing you will cry your eyes out yep. and have some feelings about the environment <laughs> the other the other interesting thing about this book is that it's dual per point of view but it's her and her sister oh that's super weird yeah her sister writes well it's her Do they sister, have even treatment, like, in no, terms of pages? No, her sister has, like, it'll be, like, a whole chapter of Marin and then a page of Sadie. Okay. Yeah. You, okay. It makes sense at the end. You understand why she's narrating it? From, but their sister's Does also this narrating. weave more into, like, women's fiction, then? Than yeah. Romance? I would say it's closer to women's lit than... But there is a romance. romance. Yeah. It's not steamy. It's it's uh, fade to black. But I, I really liked it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about something that's not fade to black. <laughs> <laughs> This week I read, and then you read right after I told you about it, Beyond the Sea by Kira Andrews. It is a beach survivor. Yeah. Um, plane wrecked. Yeah. Male, male which is, is like a story. Which is a subgenre of beach romance, like where you're surviving on a deserted island. So it is MM. Brian is a pilot, and Troy is a boy band rock star. It's both MM and its age gap. Yeah, that's true. And mm-hmm. I can't remember what the age gap is. I think is. Troy, who, by the way, when you told me about this, you said the names, and I was like, oh, is he in a boy band? He is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Troy, I think, is early 20s, early to mid-20s, and Brian is like 39 or something. Oh, I didn't realize he was that old. I knew yeah. he was in his 30s. Yeah. yeah, well, this is what Kira Andrews does. She has other books with male-male age gap romances. Did you end up reading any others? I did. I read... Was it Beach? No, it was about a um, secret service and the president's son. Okay. Ooh. And it was he was twenty two and the Secret Service agent was thirty nine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well also very steamy. Now you'll tell me about that one after this. Uh to my list. So back to Beyond the Sea. So uh, Troy is in Australia with his boy band. <laughs> his brother is also in the band and his brother has basically developed a sobriety issue and his girlfriend is there as well, Troy's girlfriend, and she's someone who's I wouldn't say she's been enabling the sobriety issue, but she hasn't been upfront with Troy that his brother is like struggling. Yeah. He basically gets pissed off and is like, I am leaving the band. Like we're in the middle of the tour. I don't give a fuck. Brother, you need to go and get sober and maybe go to some kind of recovery clinic. Mm-hmm. Girlfriend, we are not together anymore. Like I don't trust you. And this never really was that great to begin with. Like he didn't really seem invested in that relationship. He gets on a private plane Brian is the co-pilot. The actual pilot is Paula, I think mm-hmm. is her name. I can't remember where they fly to. It's somewhere in Southeast Asia, maybe. And it's just the three of them on the plane, and the plane ends up crashing. There's a very bad storm, but Paula manages to land it on a deserted island. And they're shipwrecked. Mm-hmm. And for reasons I won't go into, it ends up just being Brian and Troy shipwrecked on this island it is an actual deserted island like there's no infrastructure mm-hmm. they're eating coconuts yeah they uh they realize pretty quickly that they the, the private plane didn't have what's considered a black box and so they don't 
nobody really knows where they are. They could be anywhere within like a hundred hundreds of miles radius, yeah. I think. So nobody really knows where to look for them and they could be there forever and they don't know. Yeah. And they do have like a medical supply kit from the plane. Mm-hmm. They were able to recover some luggage. So they have things like a mosquito net and I think some water purification tablets, like kind of the the basic survival stuff. But essentially it it's really just them having to I think protein bars, but like things were gonna are gonna run out. Okay, why don't you talk a little bit about the plot? Because okay, yeah, super <laughs> briefly. But so they're both straight when they get to the mm-hmm. island. They've they've like fooled around with their friends when they were kids, and then after a few weeks, I think, of being on there, they've become really close. Troy is is sort of a socialite, but Brian's really reserved, and he finds that he doesn't mind being around Troy all the time, and he actually really enjoys spending time with him, which is weird. And they just become really comfortable with each other. And then one night, I think it's like halfway through the book, one night Brian can't sleep and they're like, oh man, you know when you can't sleep and you just really want to jerk off. <laughs> and that would, really help, help you out. that would really help you go to sleep. And <laughs> Troy's like, well, I could just help you like when we were kids, you know? And so they do. And then they basically spend the rest of the book getting more and more comfortable being yeah. into it with each other and sort of figuring out whether they should even label that or whether it's just you know, well, I just love you and I don't really know what's going on. I haven't been with a man before. Right, but... is it just you? Right. Or am yeah. I kind of questioning my whole yeah. sexuality? Yeah, I hadn't read an MM romance where they were both straight mm-hmm. to begin with. But yeah, it gets super steamy and they both are navigating that. It's a relatively short book. I think it's only like 200 something pages. So yeah, it's, it's a, a, pretty, it's it's a, a quicker pretty. read, but it is really good from kind of the emotional connection development between the two of them and the steam. So yeah. highly recommend. Honestly, this is, I would 100% read this on vacation, on a beach vacation. <laughs> I would sit on the beach and read this book for sure. Maybe because you know that they're stranded, but you have a Mai Tai. Yeah, book. exactly. exactly. <laughs> I am I am also on a beach, but not stranded. Yeah, I have yeah, all the yeah. amenities. And obviously they get rescued at the end. That's not giving yeah. anything away. And there is a happy ending. And yeah. it's, it, I, I really like their friendship it, it and their sweet. relationship. Yeah, yeah it it's sweet. really, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I, before we move on from that one, I just want to flag two other books that kind of deal with this stranded on desert island thing, because again, that's like a subgenre. And some people, like, that's a very specific trope that you could be into. And we both read Love Wrecked by Karina Halley. Halley? Probably Halley. I think you might have gotten that right. Wow. Maybe. But I could be wrong. (laughs) Anyways, Love Wrecked is an enemies to lovers boat crash or, like, Mm -hmm. on an island. It is not completely deserted, so it doesn't have the same... Well, they don't know that at the beginning. That's right. But it doesn't have the same, like, survival issues as Beyond the Sea had. But it was pretty good, Enemies to Lovers. The concept is that Daisy's sister has lived in New Zealand for a couple years. She's marrying someone. And her sister's fiance's best friend, Ty, is half Maori. Mm -hmm. And they just do not get along, Daisy and Ty. And they end up joining the sister and her husband on their honeymoon on this like small yacht that I think Ty is. Yeah, I think Ty had to had to captain it basically yeah. because their original boat like that's didn't his work job. Out. Yeah, he's, he they were like, supposed to go somewhere else. It didn't work out, and so Ty is going to take them. And I think she, so. He's not the third wheel. She's going with them. Yeah, or something like yeah. That. So yeah. so they end up being shipwrecked. But there's this other couple, the sister and, and the husband are also there. So it's there's four of them instead of two. But that was pretty good. And then the other book I will mention is Surviving Rain by Shay Savage. It's definitely a darker romance. It is also a shipwreck with a really damaged kind of asshole captain and a woman who he's trapped with. They end up 
being trapped on like a it wasn't even a real boat it's like one of the the blow-up boats that lifeboats that come out (laughs) and they had to be stranded and wait are they at sea they're at sea yeah um my worst nightmare and he's going through alcohol withdrawal and so he's a really big dick to her (laughs) but there's like there's the grovel and they're growing together for sure but so that is an example of like a shipwrecked one that is uh, definitely of a darker side and so trigger warnings for that specifically for that one not a rom-com yeah so if you're into shipwrecks those are three good recommendations i'm sure there's more out there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the next one i want to talk about is rebel air it's actually part of a duet called the rush duet it's by v keeland and penelope ward takes place in the hamptons and the story behind this is gia is writing a book she's writing a romance book she is moved out to the hamptons for the summer to get inspiration she's having massive writer's block like literally doesn't write a word the part of the believability about this series this duet is that by the end she somehow finishes the book but i she there were so many days where the author's writing that she like have writer's block didn't write anything didn't write anything didn't write anything i'm like when did you actually write it did you write ninety thousand words in like three weeks i mean maybe she did but <laughs> she's having writer's block she's living in this house chair she ends up filling in for her roommate at a bar bartending she's a terrible bartender she's never done it before and this guy in like a leather jacket with these big you know motorcycle boots comes in and jeans and he's like looks kind of rough and tough and kind of confronts her at the bar turns out he owns the bar she's been kind of an asshole to him before she finds that out and he's like i'm gonna fire your friend she shouldn't have let you bartend you're turning away customers like you're not doing good at your job yikes and then he finds out that his hostess isn't showing up and he's like fuck go be a hostess for the night i won't fire your friend and if you're good at that i'll i'll give you a job for the summer so they kind of start off in an enemies to lovers type situation but she's also the only one that confronts him on his shit like she's she speaks up for herself and everyone else at the bar is kind of scared of him this is and the guy we're talking about here is rush he's the the hero here and so they end up developing a friendship kind of resisting each other because of that friendship and then getting together over the book but there's a forbidden element he doesn't want to date employees also behind that he doesn't date period you know which is often a Mm -hmm. a thing with male main characters that like i don't date i only hook up that type of thing but i thought this book was just really fun the duet ends on a cliffhanger I will say that this duet does deal with an accidental pregnancy, and I bring that up because some people just, one, don't like that trope, they just don't find it interesting, or two, like it's triggering for whatever reason. It's not a traditional accidental pregnancy though, and (laughs) Caitlin's giving me a confused look now. I can't explain more without (laughs) revealing plot. But it's fine, it's fine. I'll ask you later. There's an accidental pregnancy, but it's not in a traditional way, so that's all I'll say. Turkey baster? What? what? <laughs> I guess that wouldn't be accidental. <laughs> no, that's like the definition of not accidental. <laughs> also, I'm just, I thinking, like really... I'm just thinking of Jane the Virgin. That's why. I never watched that. Is that part of the show? Yeah, that's the whole premise at the beginning is her... Not a tricky faster. It's an accidental pregnancy because the doctor injects the sperm into the wrong woman. Not the man, her? not the man's wife, but into Jane. Does she a have a huge malpractice suit? 
I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, she's his sister. So now Jane is carrying this man's babies. She's a virgin and she's with somebody else. And it's, it's actually a really good show. I've heard that. Back to the turkey baster. I feel like that is a really dated reference. And now (laughs) I kind of want to look up where that comes from. I feel like that's from like the fifties or something, but I don't. Could be today. You don't know. We don't know. I mean, do people even get that reference? Like, that feels like a, a really old reference, and I don't. Like, I get it, but I don't know I if don't that's know. commonplace I'm, I'm, anymore. I'm old for my age. <laughs> sure, that's a saying. Uh, okay, can I talk about my next book? Y- yes, you're very, <laughs> you're very excited to talk about more things that made you cry. Go for it. Okay, this book had me crying on the first page. All right. So, <laughs> I literally like texted Kristen. Kristen was like, <laughs> shit. But both of them have beautiful covers. Beautiful. They do. They do. They're very lovely. Anyway, this is The Summer of Broken Rules by K.L. Walther. And the main characters are Meredith and Wit. And uh, his last name is Witry. Wit Witry? (laughs) (laughs) No, Wit's the nickname. But his last name is Witry. (laughs) What's his first name? Well, that's, you don't find that out until later. Okay. Wit Witry would be a lot. Would be great. (laughs) I would appreciate that. Anyway, so this is more of a young adult romance. It's Fade to Black. It's takes place on Martha's Vineyard over a, maybe two weeks one summer. And the reason it was had me crying in the first page is because Meredith's sister, who was, I think, two or three years older than she was, died two years ago before the events of the book. This is the first time going back to their family sort of compound on Martha's Vineyard for her cousin's wedding. And she's, you know, dealing with the grief of losing her sister. And that's a, a present theme throughout the entire book, actually. So there's a lot of that. The way she meets Wit is that she is on the ferry going to Martha's Vineyard and she's on the phone with her ex-boyfriend who recently broke up with her because, I don't even remember, maybe he cheated on her? He's an asshole basically and she's calling him a shithead and yelling at him over the phone. Then she realizes she can't open the side door to her car because another car is parked there, which by the way is not how ferries work, at least in Seattle. No. You should always be able to open your car door. Well, it's like a safety thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. When you were how can you escape? When you were previously describing this book to me, it just the whole <laughs> transportation system seemed incredibly incredibly flawed because if you take a Seattle ferry, there's people there, there's specific spots you yeah. have to go, they have like certain capacities and lines. And yeah. Well, for whatever reason in the Martha's Vineyard Ferry in this book universe, <laughs> she can't open her door. So she goes through the moonroof. <laughs> and as she's getting down, she just doesn't look. <laughs> and she hits, smacks somebody in the face with her foot. <laughs> and then she just says, sorry. And she runs away into the ferry <laughs> building with her parents. It's just like, she's a teenager? She's 18. Okay. I mean, understandable that you're like so flustered. <laughs> Still confusing. To just run away. To just run away. Yeah. So she runs away. So she... <laughs> Anyway, so she gets to Martha's Vineyard, she sees her grandparents, she sees all of her family, and then she meets the groom's party for the wedding, and there's a guy who looks like he's got the shit beat out of him, and she's like, oh, I wonder who this deal is. (laughs) Turns out it's Wit, and she hit him in the face with her foot on the ferry. Who beat the shit out of that guy? Oh, I did. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So he's actually really a good sport Does he know it's her? Oh, yeah. He's like, hey remember me like does your foot remember my face like thanks for this (laughs) which is actually really funny but he's actually pretty good sport about it he's i think he's 19 and the whole plot of the book revolves around a game of assassin that her family is playing and they've played in previous summers and her sister was like the queen of assassin please explain this game because i never heard of it okay have you read today tonight tomorrow well okay yeah i have read that okay so that is by Rachel and Solomon. Rachel and that Solomon. Is by, that yeah. is by Rachel and Solomon. It's also another young adult romance. It is excellent. 
really good truly excellent it takes place in seattle and we'll put that in the show notes just because it's a great book even yeah. though it's not on theme for this so assassin is a game in which everybody starts out with a piece of paper with somebody else's name on it and you have to kill that person not literally and when you kill them in this case by shooting somebody with water like a water gun or pouring water over their head you get whoever their name is that they were holding and so you slowly filter through people every people get killed and then you have to be the last one standing yeah how long does the game last well so in this book it lasts the whole time until the wedding which is like 10 days or two weeks or something oh wow yeah so you have to be sort of crafty about it so she's got some old friends who are also here and they want to team up with her but she also teams up with wit because he's on the groom's side so he has the intel for those people so he can be like oh so and so is going to be in his cabin right now and she can tell him who all the family members are so they team up they start taking down people she's never really been into this game but because her sister was the queen of it she's decided that she's gonna basically win for her sister's memory in honor of her sister and yeah so it's really fun it's highly entertaining you know really sad in different parts because of you know the loss of her sister but i really really liked this one so this had you crying on the first page did it have you crying at the end as well no the end okay. is just cute yeah. so the first book you talked about you cry at the end this yes. one you cry at the beginning yeah mm-hmm. okay that's mm-hmm. your trigger warnings mm-hmm. yeah yep, <laughs> so you go. know when to have the tissues exactly. or what parts to skip over yes <laughs> yes, yes yes but both really good okay one more book from me romantic agenda this is by claire Kahn, k-a-n-n and the main characters are joy and fox this is an own voices uh, asexuality romance and i had never read one before so i was really excited to read this i thought it was really well done i mentioned this book a couple months ago in our feel the love friday episode because i had just read it when it came out and i definitely wanted to include it in this episode because it takes place at essentially a lake house so there's some boating involved and like you know, summary activities. But Joy is asexual. She works for her boss, whose name is Malcolm, and they have been friends for 10 years since college. He's also asexual, but he is very actively dating. He was previously engaged. Joy has never really had a boyfriend. She's, I don't think she's had sex. She's just always been in love with Malcolm since they met, and they're super close. Like, they are best friends. He's always bringing her stuff. They spend too much time together. It's sort of feels like they should just be dating, but they're not. At the beginning of the book, he invites her to go on a weekend away, and she gets really excited because she thinks now he's finally going to realize that they're supposed to be together until he tells her that he is interested in this woman named Summer, and he wants to plan this whole weekend for Summer, and he needs Joy to come because Summer is bringing her friend, Fox. So she's a little devastated, but she decides to go because she loves Malcolm. So she's like the wing woman. Yes, basically. And she's like, fine, I will help you. She's never really gotten along with Malcolm's significant others because they all think that Joy loves Malcolm and that he loves her. And that's actually literally why his ex-fiance left him. She sent them an email afterwards that basically said, you know, you love Joy. I don't want to be a third wheel. I'm not going to marry you. So she goes on this trip. She's very wary of Summer. She's a little wary of Fox, and Fox basically says, look, I see the way you two interact. He's clearly in love with you. We should fake date and fake, you know, pretend to really enjoy each other because you're going to see that he gets really jealous and you'll see how he really feels about you. And she's like, you know what? Fine. Like, it's been a long time. He told me to spend time with this guy. I'll 
do this and just see what happens. Joy is, <laughs> I really loved her character. She's very bold. She's a fashionista. She's basically on, they don't call it Instagram, but it sounds like it's a social media platform. She's got like tons of followers and she's really fashionable and just, she's just kind of a badass in all the other aspects of her life, except for this one where she has been in love with this guy for 10 years and hasn't really done anything about it. So she and Fox start to, you know, be more intimate with each other. They sort of are more flirty in front of Malcolm and, and Summer And it's very sexy, but it's not, like, smutty. There's no gratuitous sex scenes. They actually never have sex in the book. But there's really great scenes of them kissing and touching and being physically intimate in a really, like, visceral, like, way where she, Claire just describes those intimate moments really well and it really gets you into the moment. So I I really loved it. I want to read more books with asexual main characters. I thought it was really interesting. And, uh... Yeah, it's a really fun book. Is Fox's character asexual as well? No, he's not. So part of the book is her basically describing what it means and the way she identifies as asexual versus the way Malcolm does and how it can be different. And I'm not, I won't go into that because I can't obviously describe it as well as, as the author can, but I thought it was really, really interesting and an interesting insight into asexuality, which I haven't really thought about too much. Yeah, I don't really know much about it. In fact, I didn't even really understand that there might be like a spectrum of different ways that you could be asexual. So I'm interested to read this book. Do we know if the author is asexual? Yes, I think it's other voices. I did read some reviews that said, you know, this is, I'm asexual and this is, does not represent me. So I think, I think that's just shows that there is a spectrum and that this isn't going to represent what everybody who identifies as asexual, like how they think about it. But I believe the author is asexual and she's writing from her perspective and point of view. That's really fascinating because I just have like a very singular idea in my head about what it means, you know, not, I don't know, becoming aroused or like feeling like you need sexual gratification from a partner. And I guess romantic love is separate from that. Yeah, the way Joy's character describes it is more that she, like she won't see a naked body and be turned on by it. But kissing feels good. All that stuff feels good. But she's not like lusting after she doesn't have that thing where you see the guy from across the room and you're you know get that fluttery feeling in your belly like she doesn't have that does she still orgasm well not in the book so I don't no know. i know but, but like yes. yeah? yeah okay okay i assume okay yeah i'm just curious so it's really interesting i'll want to borrow that one from you that's... well it's on my kindle so you can buy it oh that's right <laughs> <laughs> I, I bought it the day it came out and i read it that night I okay was like, okay I was really into it interesting yeah. okay yeah well, okay, I have two more that I want to discuss before we do honorable mentions, and we'll speed through them because we're, again, talking about so many books, but I have to talk about Hooking Up by Helena Hunting, who is one of my favorite authors. She just writes really fun books on the lighter side and kind of rom com She writes that hockey series that we talked about a little bit on our hockey episode, which is like the lie for a lie, favor for a favor, secret for a secret. She's done a few others that I really like, but... Hooking Up is a different series. I think this is book number two. I don't, so I didn't read the first one, but it takes place between Amelie and Lexington or Lex. And this book starts in a really tragically humorous way. Amelie has married Lex's cousin. I don't remember what his name is, but call him the asshole. She has married Lex's cousin, the asshole. They are at the wedding reception, so she is married to him. And over the 
speaker system. I think I think she's they were miked. They were miked. Her and her husband are miked for whatever part of the reception. Over the speaker system come some noises, <laughs> which turns out to be her husband getting a blowjob from someone who is not Amelie right? Like in some room somewhere at the reception hall. She is terribly embarrassed. Obviously, they've been married like three hours and he's getting a BJ from someone else. She runs back to her bridal suite. Lexington happens to be there. He's, I think he's a little drunk because he has secretly loved, really liked Amelie. He actually met her first at a bar and then his cousin like swooped in. So he's sad that, you know, she's married his cousin. But She's obviously pissed. She decides that she's going to take her honeymoon anyway without her husband. Her honeymoon's in Bora Bora. She takes her husband's passport with her so she cannot follow. And she's like, fuck it. I'm just going to go sit on a beach in Bora Bora for like the three or four months. With my, I think it's weeks. Is it weeks? With my suitcase full of sex toys. (laughs) Including several that are glass, which I probably (laughs) wouldn't travel internationally with. Well, I mean, she's probably got protective cases because she's really into it. Yes. Okay. That is, I love how like I'm talking about the plot and you're like, but wait, don't forget about the suitcase full of sex toys. I think it is an interesting plot point. So Amelie actually has traveled with an entire suitcase of sex toys. I thought this was interesting because I don't see a lot of sex toys represented in romance novels. And I don't know how big that industry is like in real life. But I feel like it's a pretty sizable industry. Like, women's pleasure is chronically undervalued in society and, like, unrecognized. But I think the sex toy industry is probably pretty large. And yet it's kind of ignored in romance novels. I feel like Mm -hmm. sometimes it's seen as, like, well, talking about sex is, you know, not proper. But talking about sex toys is even, like, how dare you, like, gratify yourself with or gratify a partner with like something inanimate and also the idea that like the penis should be enough yeah yeah so i thought this book was really good in the way of pro sex toy positivity and (laughs) it's done really funny in the book though that amelie is going through the airport and you know she's going to bora bora lex is actually also going to bora bora because he is going there for business and they end up in the same like tsa line and her suitcase full of sex toys which i think she thought she checked yep gets flagged at the security line and they have to open it up and investigate and you know i think i can't remember if amelie's embarrassed about it or no i feel like she's pretty she's pretty confident in her sex toy ownership and usage and one thing about her husband her asshole husband is that he never felt like confident about it and he always tried to shut the sex toy use down and made him feel inferior (laughs) but lex is like oh my God, (laughs) why does this woman have a suitcase full of sex toys? I think I love her even more. (laughs) So, but anyway, this book has a bunch of funny stuff. They go to Bora Bora, they end up hooking up. I mean, that's what the book is called and end up having a relationship just in Bora Bora. And I think that goes back to part of this kind of, you know, the beach is outside the real world. Mm -hmm. It's this place for forbidden romance to bloom. And then when you go back to real life, you go back to real life. The, The romance is done and and so that's what this book plays on a little bit. But it's really fun. It's really steamy. Yeah, Helena Hunting does good stuff. The last book I'll talk about is The Roughest Draft. It's by Emily Wibberly and Austin Sigmund Broca. Hope I'm pronouncing those correctly. They are a married co-writing couple. 
and the roughest draft is about two co-writing friends. And it's, this is a friends to enemies to lovers. It takes place in Florida. I can't remember the exact town, but it's on the beach in Florida. And it's a second chance romance. The characters, Katrina and Nathan, met at a, I can't remember if it was in school or at a writing retreat, but they are both authors. They eventually end up working together and being very successful at co-writing. And then at some point they have a falling out and you don't really understand as a reader what the falling out was until later in the book because it kind of skips between the present and the past. But at some point, four years maybe, I think, after they kind of split up and, and stop talking to each other, they end up getting back together to write another book. And part of that is because they're under contract and they need to produce another novel. And so they end up shacking up in this house in Florida, the same one that they had four years prior to write this book for two months. And so, you know, they start, they start that journey basically hating each other, then warming back up to friends and, and then eventually lovers. But the way this book is written, I thought was so beautiful they kind of speak to each other through their writing. And mm -hmm. and this was also a really interesting read for me because it I never really understood what co-writing looked like. Like I, I actually read a fair number of books that I now realize are written by more than one person. I know what the writing process looks like for me as an individual, but I don't really know what it looks like if you're co-writing with another person. And I'm sure it's different for every pair, but this was an interesting view into that. And then the way that they kind of communicate to each other and communicate their feelings on the page in the, the book that they are writing, which is a fiction, rather than sort of saying them to each other, was a really interesting way to do it. And I, the writing was just really beautiful. That reminds me of Daisy Jones and the Six, in which they co-write songs and the lyrics are sort of the way that yeah. they communicate with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, the authors are actually a married co-writing couple. I think they usually do YA, and I can't remember if this is their first new adult or not. So there's a little bit of steam, but not quite too much. But I just thought the writing was really good. Is it is it a good, would you consider it sort of like a beach read, like gateway, similar gateway romance? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's, I think by one, it's not even a complaint, but I, so much of the book takes place when they're just kind of writing together. And I think I wanted a little bit more action, hmm. like actual action in the plot would have captured me a little bit more. I think the the writing, the quality of the writing is what really made me stick through this book above everything because it was just so, the prose was really beautiful. Hmm. I still think something like Beach Read or Honeymooners that has a little bit more of that like using the plot devices of kind of in that gimmicky way we talked about where yeah. like you're doing a bet or a honeymoon trip or something like that yeah. is gonna be better for an intro romance to someone to kind of capture their attention a little bit more. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, all right. I think, God, so many books. Yeah. I think we'll close with some honorable mentions again, because there was just so many to talk about. There is Shipped by Angie Hockman. This was marketed for fans of Unhoneymooners and The Hating Game. And it's an enemies to lovers. It's a cruise to the Galapagos. I think the setup was really fun. It's too... I think they're co-workers. They end up taking this cruise together. I remember, I think it was closed door or something, and that was disappointing. What does that mean for people that don't know? Um, that means that there's no, like, graphic sex, or even, like, slightly graphic. It was fade to black or closed door. 
So everything happens off the page. Yeah. But it was a really fun Enemies to Lovers, so that was good. The other books I will mention are by one of our favorite authors, Elizabeth O'Rourke. We won't go into detail on these because we're going to have a whole episode dedicated to her. But she wrote a couple of beach romances. Devil in the Deep Blue Sea takes place in Hawaii. It's an Enemies to Lovers. She is a pop star and he is a doctor. It's fucking fantastic. That's great. Elizabeth O'Rourke does slow burn and sexual angst and tension the like one of the best i've seen i always like devour her books in under a day she also wrote no one but us which takes in a beach town somewhere on the east coast i can't remember where that's a brother's best friend pretty angsty and undertow is the third beach book she wrote which is also somewhere on an east coast beach town a childhood best friends to enemies to lovers I'll say that that last one includes the hero being with other women in front of the heroine. They're not together when it happens, but there's obvious feelings there. And so I put that as a trigger warning because some people are just like completely adverse to the hero being with any other person once they've made a connection with the heroine. Mm. I find it deliciously angsty. I loved that book. You, loved yeah, it. Loved I think it. I told you about you, it. You did tell me about yeah. it. Yeah, I thought it, God, it's just so angsty. Like, yeah. I I basically want you to tear my heart out and stomp all over it <laughs> in a romance. I mean, not all the time. I like lighter <laughs> stuff too, but I, yeah, I'm fine with that stuff. Yeah, so this was a great lineup for this episode. There's so many. Yeah. We would love to hear from you if you have your own beach romance or your vacation romance story. Probably don't need beach week stories because those usually end the same way. But yeah. if you have a especially interesting one, sure, throw it our way. <laughs> if you can remember your beach week, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Also tell us if you have a favorite beach romance read that yes. we did not mention because there are just so many out there. I actually had to cut my list down leading up to this episode about what I was going to read. Yeah. You can find us on social media, love and underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And our website is loveandpodcast.com. I guess next week we'll, you'll join us for Feel the Love Friday. And we've got some good episodes coming up beyond that. Our next thematic is going to be retellings, which is, I guess we're going with fairy tale retellings. There's a lot of, retellings could apply to a lot, but we're going to be focusing on more of the fairy tale side of things. And that will be our last thematic before summer break. Thank you for listening. This is Love And. We will see you next week. Go love yourselves. Bye, lovers. Bye.